welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmill, a useless office drone at a fashion magazine just stumbling through life, chasing the latest fads so I can keep up with the crowd. Fortunately, I have with me today, back from the LGT in the Southampton Brawl, the one true Vanguard tactician, my friend and 40K mentor, a fellow fad chaser and fashionista, he is the Adina to my Patsy, a man who is absolutely fabulous, Mr. Stephen Box. Steve, welcome back. I feel like I should know that reference today. Oh, for the love of God, I should hope so. I softballed that one in for you, man. It's not Zoolander, is it? No. What is it? Abfab. It's a British show. What? You've never heard of Abfab? Absolutely Fabulous? It's a British sitcom. Absolutely Fabulous. Two, I think. two drunken ladies who are yeah, living together. I, I know it now, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know if I've seen it in a while, though. I actually have never seen it. I just, you know, did a little homework. I'm like, I'm going to get one that I just, I can, Steve should know this one. <laughs> no. I love you, brother. I do. You try so hard, yeah. I, I, no. I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm willing to bet that, that there are listeners who will get that one. At least, you know, the ones who are, you know, on your side of the pond. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All, well, all you're the trying. Useless, all I the like uh, it. us useless Americans won't get that reference, but you know, it is what it is. So you're trying and I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm here for you, man. Mm. Uh, but uh, it's okay. You know who, who also is trying and succeeding? Siege Studios. So ladies and gentlemen, if you need any commission painted, uh, models done or if you want some lessons on how to do your own painting better look no further than siege studios uh, check them out on instagram and the web um they are they do incredible work um i'm actually going to be setting up another uh one-to-one with uh james very soon because i need some a little uh, assistance and direction on how to make my uh, leagues of votan um i'm gonna say pop even though he hates that term so if he hears this I'm, i can just feel him cringe so yeah uh yeah um, anyway, um, VT announcements, um, the competitive 40 K podcast community, Facebook page. If you're not a member and you're listening, why are you not a member? You should be signing up. Come join us. Just make sure to answer all those questions, uh, or I will deny you access or Steve will deny you access. Um, but come join us, join our group. We need new password. Um, we do for November. Yeah. Cause this yeah. episode's going to drop in November. So we need a new password. Okay. So, uh, the new password is. Oh, what should we make it this time? I think we're going to make it the Avatar. Avatar, all right. Because Seed Studios have just painted the Avatar of Kane and the Avatar of Yinia, or the Incarn. So just put yeah. Avatar, and you can get in for the month of November. All right, there it is. And, of course, we will still accept call. Uh, you know, If you're hearing this and you, uh, you know, aren't paying quite enough attention or if you happen to be uh, behind on episodes, we'll accept that one, but... Older passwords, no mas. You got to keep keep up with the trends. So yeah. uh, it's quite speaking- funny because I can see how many how many times somebody's requested to join the group, and it, yeah. it says sometimes like Dave has denied this person twice, and I'm like, wow, they, Dave is harsh. And then they come in with the new password. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll let him in now. Yeah, you've you've yeah. been accepted. You've crossed yes. the threshold of. You've listened to a latest episode. I mean, let's be honest. We put them out at the start of the show. It's not too difficult to listen, is it? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Even if you don't finish listening to the episode, it's not like we're hiding it at the end. We um, should I do actually that. Had, I actually had one. It was hilarious. I had one who was, um, uh, he, you know, the first question is, do you listen to the show? Yes. And then the second one is, um, you know, p- please put in the password. And he said, and the response was, um, I don't know where to find it. Well, if you're listening to the show, we're feeding it to you. <laughs> You're either Straight not in. listening to the show and a giant liar or a spam bot, or, you know, <laughs> you just need to be paying a bit more attention. I'm not sure which is which, but, uh, yeah. you know. I like um, the people that go, do you agree with the rules of the group? No. No. <laughs> yeah, those are hilarious. No, I don't agree with the group. Then why are we going to let you in? I don't what? know. It doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, know. Do you, do you and, and then the other one, um, do you promise not to engage in spoilers and, and leaks? And leaks? Uh, no. Well, then why are we going to let you in? We, yeah. we hate that. Stop it. Yeah. Why, why would we let you in? So Don't do it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, Volrak. That's why you're not in the group. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, but if you want, also, if, if you do join the community Facebook page, you will get information about the next Academy class because that's going to be opening back up soon. And all the information is going to on the next session of the Academy will be in the Facebook group. Further reason and motivation for you all to join. Yep. We've got the basic training coming up again. So people that have, you know, just want to refresh your seven day, basically learn the basics of Warhammer 40k and then we'll be relaunching the Academy for another 17 week intensive course session. So if you want to really improve your confidence and clarity at the game of 40k, then look no further than the Academy. You know, I think the proof's in the pudding now. The results that we're getting through the coaches, the players, is just absolutely fantastic. And the feedback we're getting, the testimonials we're having, um, you know, is really, you know, truly overwhelming at the minute. So, um, yeah, it's brilliant yeah. to see it all coming together and actually the product doing the thing that it promises, you know, to basically do, which is just help people love the game and uh, just feel a lot more confident when they are playing and now they are seeing great results from it, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 I actually have had uh, invitations from in the last two months, I've had invitations from two other teams to come join them. And I said, uh, thank you. Appreciate the offer, but no thanks. I'm very comfortable with my team. That's um, awesome, I don't care man. that I'm, uh, because you know, it's great to have the invites, but, um, you know, I, I want to stay with the team that emphasizes sportsmanship and fair play and those teams. Yeah have slightly different priorities. So I'm yep. staying where I'm at. And so if you like the sportsmanship and fair play of 40 K, if you like playing the game the right way, join our community and, yep. you know, encourage, encourage that mentality. Yeah. Do you know, I had somebody, um, I, I had a, I think on one of our YouTube videos, I said, you know, let's play 40 K the right way. And they'd said, Oh, you know, you can play other ways like narratively. And, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. But we mean play it in the intent rather than, uh, trying to win at all cost, and you know we support all different ways to play the game. Whether you want to play Tempest of War, whether you want to play with the, you know, recent, for example, mission book for competitive play, or you want to play narratively, don't be a tryhard win at all cost. You know, kind of I'm going to just do this and do that and wreck you. No, that's not what this is about. We want to make sure that you know we've got two fantastic tacticians putting down the best strategy possible and really commanding their army to the best ability that they can whilst keeping everything clean and above board. Um, and then you're going to end up with some epic games of Warhammer 40k, ones with, you know, because you'll actually be, and this is what a lot of people don't realise, you'll be more relaxed when you play. And when you're more relaxed, you're then more susceptible for laughing and smiling and all those great emotions that we want to feel and have. But when you're kind of like trying the latest gotcha moment or you're trying to you know twist something or oh but rules is written this you know you're not at ease you're not going to put your opponent at ease and you're just going to end up with a really sour negative game and that's not what i want so anyway right yeah exactly uh and that's actually sort of what we're gonna be talking about today but we'll get to that in a second um for now um one more reminder don't forget to check out harder and steenbeck um, for their Vanguard Tactics Edition airbrush or any of your other airbrush needs. Uh, and then we have a review for today um, yep. from Nenren Deer uh, from Sweden. I deeply apologize if I just butchered your name. Uh, it's a five-star review. He said, what do you listen to at the gym? It's apropos since um, I was at the gym this morning. Uh, well, this, of course, perfect infotainment between the sets with some quirky humor and banter plus great content. Uh, Nenren Deer, thank you very much, sir. I'm glad we can uh, help you get through your workout. Thank you very much. Make sure you keep giving those five-star reviews. And yeah, we, we always enjoy, um, I'm like, Dave, we've got a new review. Let's read it out. So uh, yeah, it's great. The funnier you can yeah. be, guys, the better. You know, you make the show. So uh, keep them coming in. Yes, we want this to be as, as, you know, we can't do this live because of the time zone issues, but uh, we want you guys to be as involved as possible. So we appreciate the the reviews. Um, and then if you want to uh, find us on social media, as always, you can find Steven on Instagram at, at the Vanguard Tactics. You can find Mike at, at VT underscore Mike underscore. And of course, I'm on there at, at Infantry Lawyer 40K. Uh, you can also, if you like the last episode we uh, put out with uh, the Votan, you can find Jake at, at VT underscore Jake. Um, and don't forget to check out www.vanguardtactics.com to get more information about the Academy. And don't forget to go to YouTube and check out all the stream games, other content there. You guys put out a, a tier list this week, you and Mike. Yeah, we um, unfortunately, yeah. Jake was ill, so we couldn't do our regular Wednesday night live stream. So we did a faction tier list where we basically ranked every single faction post, um, 
post data slate change and balance update. And instead of just kind of like moving people from like S to A to A to B and stuff like that, which, you know, it's a good way of making content. Don't get me wrong. We wanted to do something a little bit different. So what we did was we had four different categories that we felt represented a strength of an army. Um, we had them primary mission play. So we gave them a rating from one to five. We then looked at their abilities to score secondaries. Um, and again, one to five. And then we did the same for their damage output. And then also just their army rules, including data sheets and relics and mortal traits. And then that meant we had a really nice analytical way of looking at all the factions. One faction always had to be one. One faction always had to be five. So therefore, we could just fit everybody else in between. Um, and we ended up with some really cool results. And I think actually the results we have pretty much reflect what we see in the field. Um, so now you can look at it and remember, this isn't us saying like, um, you know, we're assuming a baseline competitive player, um, but you could still look at this with the same analytic approach. But if you didn't play competitively, don't worry about the secondaries, focus on the other three avenues, like their ability to hold objectives, which is the primary damage output and army rules. You could still use those three as a um, barometer, I suppose, of a, an army strength or power to see how well it does in those different categories. So I think it's quite nice for people to really lean into their army's play style and make sure they're maximizing that as best as possible. Yeah. 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 But um, we also don't want everybody to rely on faction ratings and and who which is S tier and which is D tier and all this other stuff because, and that's exactly what we're here to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, you know, faction mindset and, um, you coined a, a good term when you and I were texting earlier this week, list arrogance. Yeah. Um, so we, we want to talk a little bit about, um, walking into a game thinking, oh, I've got the, the best list. Or I've got the most competitive list or my faction, you know, I'm playing t Nids right now and Tyranids are S tier and they're going to beat everything. Or I'm playing Necrons. I've got an easy secondary game. Those things are all great, but they assume a lot of other things. And usually the, you know, they, people do a lot of ranking systems based off of the just straight win-loss record of um, of a faction, which may or may not incorporate different players of all different skill levels. They're not looking at just the top tables. They're not looking at just the bottom tables. They're looking at everything, and it's throwing it all into a mush pot. And that's not the best way to decide how to play your faction. So it's, it's just it's just not the best way to go into. And I think that's what we want to really tackle today is the mindset you should adopt when you go into a game. And what we're going to do is we're going to cover some of the the things that we see in the field. Uh, we're going to see some of the common mistakes, I would say, with people's mindset and how they end up just setting themselves up for failure um, and ultimately why they are um, not performing as well as you know they possibly could. Um, and hopefully after this show, you'll you'll feel a bit more refreshed, a bit more positive about whatever faction you play and you'll really know how to leverage the most out of it. Yeah. I think that's kind of the goal of today's show. Yeah, absolutely. So um, where do you want to start? You want to talk about, you know, how to pick a faction? Yeah. So I think um, I'll just sort of start on the, the comment you made earlier. And that's, I see this a lot, this mistake. And that is, you know, you're at a tournament and you, and we are going to use this as the example because you cannot list tailor. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, going to a local club and knowing your opponent plays night. So you just fill your list with multi-melters. You know, that's not cool. What we are talking about is a balanced army list that you've submitted to a tournament. Okay. So you can't change it. It is what it is. And the, I think the mistake I see a lot of is somebody will say, oh, I'm playing against X next. You know, I'm playing against Blood Angels next. Oh, this is an easy win for me. Because there's a perception that, you know, especially when things like, like you mentioned, those rankings are published by Games Workshop. Okay, Blood Angels are at a 43% win rate, for example, right? Or Imperial Fists are at a X win, you know. So straight away, we've got our own bias that we think a faction is good or bad. And... Straight away, I see a lot of people instantly saying, cool, I'm going to win this. I've got that matchup. And for me, I think that's a, a couple of things here. The first one, I think it's incredibly disrespectful to your opponent. Incredibly disrespectful. Because what you're not doing is taking into consideration the pilot. And actually, the pilot makes the list. 
the pilot wields, you know, and uh, drives is in the driving seat, essentially. Um, I think it's incredibly arrogant to ever say that you are going to beat a faction simply based on looking at someone's army list. Incredibly arrogant. And, um, you know, sometimes people will say to me, they'll be like, oh, Steve, what have you got? And I'll be like, I've got X or, you know, I've got Y. And they'll go, oh, easy game for you then. And I'm like, no. I mean, I'll tell you after if it was an easy game or not, but I'm not going to make any assumptions right now after never playing this opponent before. Um, even if I know the army well as an opponent, okay, cool. I can be prepared for it. And, you know, as, as long as I can be prepared, then I will hopefully make the best decisions when it comes to picking secondaries. I will know when I can trade and where I can't. I'll know what units will kill and which ones won't. I'll know when I'll bounce and when I'll, you know, go through the enemy units. I'll know if I need to play aggressively or cagey. Yeah, I'll know those things because I'm well-versed in that army's faction or I'm not going to get gotcha'd or caught out with the table because I know all the fancy relics and warlord traits and stratagems because I've played it before. Is it easy? No, it's just a little bit simpler because... The simplicity is that I don't need, there's no confusion because I, you know, I've got, you know, great clarity on exactly what I need to do. So it's simple, but it's not easy because it's my opponent will make it hard or not. And that is the first thing I think people instantly get wrong. And they'll say, but you know, Steve, you know, you'll, you'll, uh, you know, you'll, you'll win this. And I'm like, well, no, I might not. And actually I prefer going into every game thinking I'm going to lose it. And I've said this multiple times on multiple shows. I always think I'm going to lose the, you know, lose my game because then it keeps me honest. It keeps me humble. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me susceptible of thinking, okay, what if my opponent does that? What if they do this? Um, and it makes sure that I don't do and make sloppy mistakes. I think being sloppy is, uh, you know, a result of arrogance. I really do. Obviously, you know, you can get sloppy from, you know, being tired or whatever, um, in fatigue, but providing that you've got a good baseline of fitness and health in, into, into that game and your focus is on point, sloppiness typically comes from arrogance, I think, because you're overcompensating. What do you think, Dave? Uh, I would agree. And I, I, and I can be on the other side because, you know, there's also the thing of people rock up to a table and they go, or they look at their, you know, posting pairings get posted on BCP and they look at it and they go, oh, I'm paired up against Steven Box. Crap. And, you know, because you have a rep and, and you have won, you know, you have won a lot of events. You have, you, you place highly consistently. You have been, you know, you are a, one of the top 40K players on the planet and have been for several years. So I don't have that. And, but at the same time, I, so I, I'm sort of coming at it from the other side, which is I'll go up to, I'll go to events and people go, oh, you're playing Tau. And people automatically assume that A, I'm a power gamer and B, that, you know, I, that I'm that they haven't even looked at my list yet. They just see that I'm playing Tau. They just see sort of just glance at my cart and see what I've got, and they go, "Oh God, uh, mm, uh. and they oh, and and I they I get a lot of trash talk from people like, "Oh, you have to you play Tau." Oh man. Okay, first off, calm down. I'm running a tide wall. Okay, I'm clearly not you know net listing here. And then people go, "Oh wait, you you only have one squad of crises, yeah, and and they don't all have plasma, no." And then they go. Oh, and then they like their, their assumptions, they, they, they suddenly have to shift gears and change their mindset of, Oh wait, I'm not, I'm playing. This isn't what I expected. And because they don't know, they haven't even looked at my list yet. They just see a faction and they, they assume one way or the other that they're going to get tabled or that I'm going to play hyper aggressive and be in their face trying to table them or that I'm going to, any of that. I'm not the best player in the world. I am far better than I ever was in the previous 20 years after being a member of the Academy and going through all the lessons and learning the game. But I also don't get a lot of reps in, so I don't get to practice a lot. And so I am not the best player. I, I, you know, a few couple months ago, we joked in the opening that I was I haunt the middle tables. I kind of do. So the best I've ever done is third place at an RTT. I'm not the best player. I'm a good player. And, and I've, I've never had anybody complain to a TO that I'm a jerk or anything. Um, I've won best sportsman more than I've won any events because I go up and I want to play and have a good game. So yeah. people's assumptions based on faction going either way. Oh, it's blood angels. It's an easy game or, Oh, it's emperor's children or, Oh, it's demons. Oh, you're running a bad in Bellacore. Oh, this is going to be crap. Or, Oh, you're running knights and I've got a bunch of hammerheads. I'm going to table you. No problem. No, yeah. don't assume anything. The, 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 the assumption, the list arrogance of 
I have faction A, you have faction B. So automatically I am entitled to win or automatically I have no choice. I will lose. Yep. It is incredibly narrow-minded and it is incredibly short-sighted because the skill of the pilot should never be underestimated. Your own skill, first off, don't underestimate your own skill, but also don't overestimate your own skill. You might be really great at your local game store or you might really be really great with your couple buddies that play in your garage with you. You walk up to an event, you may be the guy that wins the event or you may place last. Don't assume anything because you don't know the skill of these other pilots, regardless of what they're bringing to the table, whether it's Nids, Sisters, Tau, Necrons, or you know Imperial Guard right up to the day before they get their new codex. You don't know. Or Lucian Star Striders. I mean, they're OP. Oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, you know, or, or you know, um, you know, Admech running, you know, maximum aircraft. So whatever it is, don't make assumptions. Don't, don't just, don't, don't, don't jump to the end credits of the movie as soon as you see, you know, what your opponent's got across the table from you. It's, yeah, I mean, it's like anything in life, right? You don't want to boast about how much money you earn or whatever it is at the bar to some girl and she soon finds out that you don't earn that much or maybe you're talking about something else in terms of something in Some of your that capabilities that you don't measure up to is what you're saying, it, yeah. It may be they're yeah. going to you know, soon find out and end up being bitterly disappointed and you're going to end up exactly where you began. And um, yeah, you never want to sell yourself short, but you also never want to oversell what you can do either. And I think just staying humble and grounded is key when it comes to looking at your opponent's list and looking at your opponent's faction um, and also the person you're playing. So again, like going off that. So one of the things that, um, I th- oh, you know, I'll use an example from my latest GT. Okay. Um, it was round five of this Southampton brawl. I was five and four and oh at this point and a pair of orcs okay a pair of orcs and i'm running my empress children list a pair of orcs and i looked at the list and uh you know a few comments oh this be easy game for you and i was like i don't know i haven't played orcs in a long time and i was like okay what does freebooters do when they get plus one to hit okay right look through the list and i was like wow there's a lot of guns here there's a lot of guns and then, you know, I went to find John, who's like an, um, he's on our team. And I was like, John, what does this Warlord Trait and Relic do? Just let me know quickly so I don't have to, you know, win. I can ask my opponent, but at lunch, you've got a bit more time, right? So I've basically essentially got a walking codex, John, in, in terms of orcs. I was like, right, what does this do? What does that do? You know, I got the, the download, as it were. And um, anyway, so I'm like, cool. I know what the, the situation is here. I roughly know the damage output and you know, I can weigh up the game a lot better knowing that, okay, then I don't need to use the can't hit me on a one to three roll without any re-rolls because actually there aren't any re-rolls from my opponent. They pretty much hit on a four anyway. So I'm better off making other choices with my priest ability might be like advance in charge. And then, then I can ask the right questions when I get to the table, you know, can you fall back and shoot? They've pretty much got a shooting army. So I know they're not going to worry. I don't have to worry about their combat potential because literally all of their units have just got guns. And I said, look, you know, have you got anything that can fall back and shoot? Have you got any these other little shenanigans that could maybe catch me out? And, um, you know, I can ask then the right questions so I can make sure I'm spending my time appropriately asking those, you know, certain questions that I need to know the answers for. Um, so anyway, we, me and my opponent, we had a great game, by the way. Um, but I think his name was James. We had a fat, an awesome game. And... I went first. It was like deaf and zeal, nine inches apart from each other. You know, that kind of the sort of from the center, should I say, is 18 inch gap. Um, there was, he had some grots there and I looked at it and I thought, oh, I measured it up. And I thought, right, got my advance in charge off on my terminators, used the stratagem for auto advance six inches and then made my charge. And then I just used my terminators to charge a unit of grots or Gretchen, whatever they're called. And then I tagged units of looters I wrapped up a vehicle so it couldn't fall back out of the out of the ruin. Um, so therefore, my terminators couldn't get shot, and now they're in James's deployment zone. Um, and I did another little thing with my warp talents. They made a charge, charged in on a truck, didn't kill it, piled in, touched a um, a unit of uh, death copters, and I lost a couple in return. Um, and then James had basically we had a really interesting interaction because. James had got all of his models out of the 
of the truck and put like one of his guys with the rockets, the tank busters within about, I suppose like an inch and a half away from my unit. Cause it was quite compact where I'd had them sort of penned in and then falls back with the truck. So I said, okay, cool. As you fall back, I'm going to play two CPs to consolidate now. Um, and this is kind of the play I'd set up for. Um, and James said, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And basically that would have meant my warp talents could have consolidated into the two units of truck boys and the death cap and the death copters and in his turn. So that means none of that's going to be shooting me. Um, and I was in a situation here. I was like, well, I either say, well, unfortunately that is what it is. And, uh, you know, I've got the stratagem, I've used it and I'm, you know, kind of in my right to do so. Cause I think on, on one hand, what's the point in having the stratagems if you don't get to use them? Similarly, I didn't want my opponent to have a feel bad. Um, so I said, look, have it, have the, you know, remove your models. If you, if you genuinely didn't know about it, I'm not gonna, I'm, I wouldn't feel great about you not knowing this, this game. Um, so I let James have the, you know, move his models in a different direction so I couldn't consolidate into them. So obviously I'm not going to use the stratagem and have my two CPs back. It was an interesting interaction, but the difference was there, you know, I'd obviously got to the table and I'd already knew the questions I was going to ask James. I knew exactly all the answers that I needed to ensure that I could play my game out properly. Uh, and I'd say, you know, that's advice to everybody is make sure you ask the right questions. Um, you know, I was very, I would say I was pretty sporting in that moment. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, and I go to these events with a slightly different mindset than other people. They just want to win. Whereas I don't want someone to have a, of a, of a um, you know, a really bad game because of it. Now there is a level of, there's a, there's a certain, like we were five, and zero. Oh, like should be pretty competitive, you know, competent at that stage. Right. And there's a lot of rules to keep up with. I do appreciate that. So there's a kind of level of, some people do know James, like I could tell, um, genuinely hadn't heard of that stratagem before. So I was like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, but against other people, then if I do believe that they knew about it, then they, I think that stratagem kind of is fair game to use then. Like I would expect somebody to use that against me. Um, sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, do you know what? That's on me. I should have asked that question earlier. Uh, yeah, please carry on. Um, but yeah, I think asking those right questions is really absolutely the right thing to do so you don't get caught out at the top. Like we said, it becomes sloppy. You get lazy with questioning. And the game is a game of communication. If you're not communicating properly, if you're not honest and open about what you're answering as well, I think that's one of the other issues. But typically, um, yeah, I think that's one thing that you must do is ask those right questions before you go into yeah. any game because people are losing games because they're not asking the right questions. And instead, then they blame other things oh, that army's broken or this army's that. Well, actually, if you just asked me the right question, you would have known not to put those units within four inches of me. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? That's not the army being broken. That's you not asking the right, right. question. Um, right, that's a no, mindset. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, oh, this, this faction's broken, oh, this faction is OP, a lot of that comes from a lack of familiarity because we can't all afford every codex. Most of us can't afford, you can't afford to buy every codex. I can't afford to buy every codex. And so there's always going to be factions that you, like I buy the ones that I either have an interest in, or I think I, I you know, just want to read it because it looks interesting to me or whatever. But um, generally I only buy the, buy the couple of codexes that I have models for. And yeah. so, um, you know, those rules I, I'm semi-familiar with, plus you know, I've been around the game for a long time. So I kind of have a general idea, but um, like I had at my last event, I had my very first ever game against Harlequins in 20 plus years of playing 40 K. I had never played against Harlequins. I, I knew vaguely what they do from talking to you, yeah. but I, I knew that I needed to ask them, right. Which of your units can advance and charge, which of your units can, you know, advance and shoot, which of your, because as a towel player, I don't want you in my face. <laughs> I want you to stand yeah. back and stay back and sit over there and let me shoot you. So <laughs> I knew to ask those questions and to, and, and, and my opponent who I actually had, had played, we figured out like half of the year, like, wait, we did play a game together once before, like two years ago. And, um, he remembered my horrible performance with Imperial fists, which was humiliating, but, um, yeah. So anyway, so we had a, we had a good laugh about that. And then, and, but I had, I knew to ask the right questions and a lot of people come up and they look at my list and they go, you have a tie ball. What does that do? And, you know, they see me put it down. Like, 
wait, can that move? What can this do that? And then they start asking me a bunch of questions about that. And then they, I think they sometimes forget to ask about some of the other stuff I can do, or they just assume I'm going to move. I'm going to shoot you a lot. And they don't ask me a lot of questions. So then I will bust out with certain stratagems and then they go, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. You know? And well, yes, here's the stratagem here. Here's my book. You want to read it. And it's usually not a situation where I feel like I have to take it back. Cause I'm not, you know, it's not taking over or taking out half of their army, but they just sort of like, I don't want them to feel ambushed. The same thing. Like here, here's the rule here. Read it. You know, yeah. I, I would have told you about and it sooner. Let's be honest. There's probably only about 50 different rules in the game, but they're just kind of sprinkled here and there in different codexes or books. Right. You know, yeah. turn the, only, the, only, the issue comes up when, when they're written slightly differently, but yeah. Um, you know, but that's, but you like, know, you, that's what the TS for. You know, for example, fall back and shoot. I mean, that's in a load of different places or shoot and move. I mean, that's in a few different places. Minus one damage, advance in charge, fall back in charge, consolidate after, you know, be in charge, you know, aspect yeah. scan. You know, they're in different books. Turn off cover, um, all those different rules. They're probably just sprinkled in to a whole moosh-boosh of um, different codexes, data sheets and relics and warlord traits. So look, my advice is pick 10 that you think this he's really crippled me. Uh, or cripple my game plan at least um, and ask those questions. I think that's key. Okay. So yeah. I think we've done a pretty good job of summarizing kind of um, the mindset, certainly towards list arrogance. What's the next thing on our agenda to talk about, Dave? Uh, I, I think the other thing is um, understanding your own limitations and understanding what to expect from your own performance, because um, yeah. you know, you and I have, have, have both heard people who they walk up and um, they assume they're playing X faction. And so they're somehow entitled to win. Yeah. And that is, you you underestimate again your own skill, or, your, or 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 you assume that you don't need to put forth as much skill because oh, I'm playing Tyranids to pick a faction that's got a you know a lot of people talking about record. right now. Yeah, yeah, good win record. And people go, oh, I've, I'm playing, I'm playing, you know, Leviathan. I'm playing the Leviathan list. And you look at the, you know, oh, I'm I've got the Leviathan list, the one that everybody plays. I'm entitled to win. Yeah, not. or at least go, you know, there, there's I think. After list arrogance, I think there's this kind of, I'm a four in two player. I'm a five in one player. I'm a... Oh, yeah. You, you know, and look, the luck in the game, the luck in the game of 40k is not dice rolls. That's not the luck. And I'm talking about tournament games here, just to be very specific. The luck is what faction you draw and then... You know, obviously, who's the pilot of that faction? Um, but then also, what mission you play them on? That's that's the luck of the draw there. So, as and a the blood angel, yeah, like as a blood angel player, um, who's you know the reason why I use this as an example is because a I know it well, and b it's a one phase army. A one phase army should be on the lower end of win rates. It should be a forty five percent win rate. Look, you know, roughly around there. If it's got one, if it's only got one fight, you know, one phase of the game it can play in. Um, then, you know, similarly to Tau, Tau should be a 45% win rate because it's only got one, one phase it can play in. And that makes now, me feel much better because I'm at 42%. <laughs> you, you're nearly there, Dave. You're nearly there. Yeah. Um, there. so, um, my point is here, if I was to draw creations of bile, an army that fights on death, the thing that I do well, but it just does better and it does it twice. Whereas I only get to fight once per battle round, they get to fight twice battle round in their turn and in my turn because if i kill them they kill me um so if i was to play creations of bile and lose every single game at a tournament which on paper i pretty much should lose every game to creations of bile then you know we are assuming the pilots are the same here okay so if i was playing a steven box with creation of bile and taking the pilot out of the equation here we're simply just looking at the list without the players involved I should lose to creation of bile every game. Okay. Now, does that mean I'm a worse player just because I went 0 and 5 against, because I no. just drew creation of bile every single game with a badden that I, because I've only got one phase of the game I can kill him. Um, and that's going to take me at least four turns to kill him because he'll probably regenerate some wounds as well from a, you know, master of possession or something. So does that mean I'm a bad player because I just went 0 and 6 at a GT? No, I just got well unlucky and I drew chaos in creations of bile every game for six games. That's not a reflection of my skill. Not at all. 
I can still right. enjoy the game of Warhammer 40k. I can still, you know, have a laugh with my opponents. I can still be a good sport. I can still, you know, try some different moves and learn and adapt and, you know, improve over those six games. Maybe the first game I get smashed and I lose 120. But then by the time we're at game six, now I'm losing maybe, you know, 80, 70 or something. Maybe I can bridge, you know, bring the gap closer through experience. Um, but. And that and that also goes back to the skill of the pilot and not just assuming that you will always lose to creation of the bile either. It is not yes. a, oh, this is my third game or fourth game of the tournament. I keep going into creation of bile. I lost the first three. I'm going to lose the fourth one. No, yep. you you have you have just gotten three good rounds in of getting a the ton practice. of experience against creation of bile and get yep. and knowing which units you need to target and which you know maybe which ones you need to wrap or which ones you need to stand back and shoot or whatever and you have that experience in your head you are now elevating your own game. Don't assume that those first three games predestined your fourth because you're avoiding tilt then, aren't you? Right. You're avoiding tilt, which is really important. Yeah. You don't just go in with a loss mindset. You need to. Um, I mean, it would be, um, don't get me wrong, it'd be rough, mate, playing creation the battle six out of six. I mean, by game six, oh it's going to take, you're going to have to be well positive person to stay upbeat about that. But anyway, my point is, um, the luck in the game is the draw. That is simply the luck. And I think too, too many people are too hard on themselves and they set these expectations of, I'm going to go three and two. Well, what if you, you know, draw X, Y, or Z, you know? Because we can look at these factions like Blood Angels and then assuming the pilot's the same, you can go, okay, cool. Well, if the terrain's really good, it's a great game for Blood Angels against Tau. But if the terrain's bad in terms of uh, for the army, so let's say it's light, like we're looking at light cover or open cover, then it's bad for the Blood Angels to Tau. Like the Blood Angel-Tau matchup is literally hot or cold and it all depends on the terrain. Okay, that That's literally what that game should depend on. To, you know, again... Imagine the pilots are the same skill set. Um, then you look at all the other different matchups and you go, well, this is preferable. This isn't preferable. And then does it, you know, how does terrain affect these? And I think this is why we've had massive, massive nerfs to the Votan um, in a short period of time is because of the community looking at the numbers without actually understanding that, you know, the ion rifle, you know, shoots 18 inches and it's strength five minus two, two damage, and it can ignore cover cool it's got 18 inch range and the army moves right. five so that's a 23 inch threat range and turn one you start 24 inches away yeah so you know again it's all dependent on that third factor which is terrain now if you then get a mission which is preferable for you you then also need to look at what well, is it preferable going first or preferable going second because that can be a massive change on the outcome of that game or the scoring potential of your army. You know, with some of my coaching clients, I, you know, I was talking to one of my uh, blood angel um, clients, Bobby, and, you know, we want to put in a better performance than he's put in before it recent, uh, you know, the LVO we're talking about, you know, specifically. So what we're looking at is, you know, how many points is he scoring in each of his games? How can we keep inc uh, like increasing his average score, you know, to creep that up? So therefore he goes in to a more, um, you know, and I, again, I'm looking at his, uh, changing his mindset away from that win-loss ratio to, okay, well, what if you played Tau three times and Creation of Baal three times and it was all light terrain? Well, yeah, you're in a bad spot there, mate. You know, don't be, you know, how can we eke out the most points possible? So now what we start getting into is the realms of analytics and we start to look at, okay, well, what's every single mission? What are your go-to secondaries? What secondaries are you going to pick on what mission? What are you going to take? Um, you know, what secondaries become more preferable if you go first? What become more preferable if you go second? What other factors implement each of those decisions that you made when you pick secondaries? So, for example, if you take mental interrogation and you take it against, um, I don't know, Harlequins, but that you look at it on paper and you haven't asked the right questions and you look at it on paper and you go, oh, you haven't got any shadow seers. Cool. So you've got no way to deny me. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I'm going to take psychic interrogation then. What you didn't see was that they had a three death jesters, which can basically, you know, just shoot you from wherever. Um, and also they've got a solitaire in the list that's going to run over, jump a million miles, jump through any gaps, and then, you know, blop your Inquisitor in the face. Um, and all of a sudden, turn one, you've just lost your Inquisitor. You're down 15 points on secondaries because you didn't ask the right questions. Um, so what are all those if, but, if buts, uh, maybes 
that are going to influence your secondary picking. Um, and, you know, I think an, a really good example of this is my last game against Ben at the GT. So against Ben, um, it's Yanari. He's playing Yanari and I'm playing Emperor's Children. We both have fight first. We both have some elements of fight last. Okay. Yep. So therefore, Dave, whoever charges loses. Right. Because if he charges me, he's got fight first, but I've already got fight first. So they kind of cancel each other out. Right. Right. Um, or what it means is that we would alternate. I, I won't use the term cancel each other out because we had essentially alternate combats. Now, if he makes one combat, because that's what you would do in this situation, you wouldn't make two because then obviously um, I would swing with the other unit. If he makes me fight last, it removes my fight first. But then also if I've got fight last, it removes his fight first. So now we've basically got an ongoing combat, which means I, whose non-player turn it is, picks the first combat, right? Right. So that's what I mean by whoever charges loses. So right. I was number one seed of the tournament. I looked at the points and I was like, okay, cool. I've scored really, really well here. And I was looking at it thinking, well, I just need to score high. If I can score high above 80, then you know I should be hopefully in a top three placing at the very least. It was a mission in which if I go first is okay. I can score okay, but ideally I want to go second because there's a lot of end game scoring on this mission. And also the way that the play, obviously when you know you're going up against somebody else, that's a very, very good player. Whoever goes second gets that last turn of upping the score on the primary because they can just smash one, smash one objective and get the 12, can't they? Right. So in this mission, I was fairly comfortable with a few secondaries and there were other secondaries that I wanted to pick if I wanted to hit max points, right? But they're on a bit more of a knife edge because if they go off, then I'll do really well. But if they don't, then, you know, I'm looking at my, I suppose, the percentage of success on each of these secondary options and roughly what I can expect to get out of each of them. So this one was basically three objectives, pretty much. I think it's called Tider Conviction, where there's literally three objectives next to your deployment zone. Yeah, yeah it's sort of a one right in your deployment zone and then two are just out. Yeah, so banners is yeah. an awesome option, right? right? I've got loads of obsec units. I've got characters that can hurricane intervene six. Those characters can make the fight last. So I was like, cool, banners is a good pick for me. Really good pick. But what's not going to pair well with banners is behind enemy lines, which I've taken in every other game because I pushed really aggressively with in my other games against my other opponents because this is how it worked out in terms of the mission in my army versus theirs, etc. So I was like, right, behind enemy lines, I didn't go for. So I went for a conservative banners and therefore I needed another option. Uh, we just got cut off there. But basically, because I'd taken banners, um, I had then had the play of, I need to play this game really cagely. However, if I can manage to go second, which is preferable, I can push a little bit more aggressive, but then my secondary picks are still going to be conservative ones. And if I'm going to win this game, it will be based on the primary. So I'll try to deny Ben primary and score more than him on the primary. And that's where the game will be won or lost. So I went into the game with a conservative mindset rather than an aggressive one, because I just wanted to, as best as I possibly could, ensure a podium for me at that stage. I'd kind of done the hard work by game by game five it was only me and ben that were only the only undefeated players and obviously me and ben have played so many times and we know exactly how the matchup goes so we roll off and ben gets to go second cool i resort to my cagey game plan i can accept this game's probably going to be a loss unless ben really whiffs it he's not going to make mistakes because it's ben ben's a fantastic right. player yeah um, he's incredible so um essentially I just play KG. I'm like, cool. I got my psychic interrogations off on the angles and I'm just waiting to see where he deploys his autark so I can stay out of deny range. And um, I score my banners. I, you know, basically camp as best as I possibly can to make sure I can score my eight, 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 eight on primary. Because if I play aggressively, then I'm taking resources off my three objectives because it's a hold two, hold three. And if I do that, then Ben with his Harlequins can jump on and destroy my troops really easily. Right? So, I have to play a very different game plan, although accepting I'm going to lose the game. Um, and anyway, I made it super tight and I ended up losing by, I think, three or four points towards the end. It was literally the swing on the primary at the end, which was the, the change on it. Um, but what I didn't do was just throw all my toys at the plan because I know it's probably going to be a loss. 
I didn't get tilted when I watched seven of my Terminators get picked up in a turn by his um, D cannons. I didn't, you know, cry when he made me move two and a half inches every turn with my Terminators because I just thought, right, I need to hold out for five turns. That's it. And I'm accepting a certain amount of casualties to then try and make sure that I can just focus on, um, obviously, scoring as many as I can. Lo and behold, I come second. Cool. Happy days. Good. Great event for me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I know that if I would have gone second, there could have been a chance I could have maybe changed the score slightly and adapted my game plan. But again, it's going into these games knowing this is a really hard matchup. I've just seen Ben crush all of the other VT coaches with their Chaos Space Marines and everybody else that he's played with Chaos Space Marines. I've watched the guy just ruin these armies, um, absolutely obliterate them. So I'm like, cool, I'm up against it here. This is a hard matchup. and. Um, Again, pick secondaries that are appropriate just to score points. And if you focus on that, you'll, you'll consistently find your, um, you know, your skills and also your ability to read the game, your ability, your, your knowledge of those matchups will improve, um, and you'll consistently score more and more points and you'll improve your tournament rankings and finishings. You know, yeah. so great. Yeah. it's great. My, you know, and I, I, I have another example I can give. Um, my, my Tau list, I keep a squad of four stealth suits with two shield drones just for you know, survivability into, and that way the number of models is at six for that unit. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have over the course of this year, since the new Tau codex came out, I've been playing, you know, playing Tau consistently. And I have figured out now that I have two secondaries that I can choose for the, you know, the action secondary for the shadow operations category. I can do yep. R and D or I can do, I banners is always an option too, but, um, but I want to, for that unit, I keep that unit in my list so I can either do R and D or I can do the Tau specific uh, aerospace targeting relays. But I mm -hmm. figured out through through a few reps, you know, after going to a couple of tournaments that depending on whether we are playing on the board edge, on the long board edges or the short board edges, that informs whether the likelihood of me getting a 15 on aerospace or if I should just go for the 12 on R&D. And that's yeah. one of those things that it took me a couple of hard lessons and a couple of getting my butt kicked a couple of times on some, on some games, losing by a couple of points where I figured out, all right, this is where, this is the thing that I have to, to decide that yeah. has nothing to do with Tau, not Tau. That has nothing to do with whether I'm playing creations of bile or I'm playing against uh, Zinch demons or I'm playing against whatever. Well, whether uh, you or rolled well or not, it doesn't matter. Right. It has right? to do with whether I roll well or not. It just has to do with whether or not um, I have to just look at with terrain layout and I have to look at the, the board. Which, where am I deploying? Where's my opponent deploying? That's going to inform me which secondary I'm going to pick on that one. So yeah. that's one of those things that comes with practice and repetition. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with all of those things that, oh, my, I've got an A-list faction or my opponent's got an S-tier faction or this, or that. I could go into Imperial Fists. And if I, you know, if I'm playing long board edges and I try to do um, uh, the aerospace targeting relays, I'm going to score my nine easily, probably, but getting that last one for the, that last six points for that 15, probably not going to get it unless yeah. he completely abandons his deployment zone and yeah. ignores my stealth suits and does a couple other things to hand me the game. That's a skill of the pilot thing. It has nothing to do with what faction he or she is playing. Yeah. So these are the things where you, you have to play your game, know your army, know your list, get in the repetitions and know what you're capable of. And that's going to happen whether you, no matter who you're playing or what their, their faction is. So yeah. making those, so if I walked up to a table and just assumed, oh, I'm playing a, 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 a chaos soup list with knights and demons and Abaddon, I'm going to lose this game. Yeah. Why? Why? Who, who says that? Nobody yeah. said that at all. I can, I can yeah. duck Abaddon. I have high volume shots to deal with the Zinch Flamers and I have rail guns and uh, an ion tide to deal with knights. I can I have the tools necessary in my list to deal with all those threats as long as I deploy correctly, as long as the dice are favorable to me, which may or may not happen. It's out of my control. But as long as I deploy properly, as long as I, I prioritize my shooting, and as long as I remember that, hey, I'm on long board edges, I need to take R&D, not aerospace target realize, I have improved my chances. Yeah. And I have not assumed anything because I don't know my opponent. I don't know his skill. I know my skill yeah. and I know what I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, a really interesting one because, like, I played against Black Legion, and you know, they've had a bad end. They had the Terminator brick. You're not one me the game, Dave. What? 
me knowing that they've got a once per game stratagem which allows them to make that unit of terminators creations of bile to fart and death or they can become a um you know red corsair and advance in charge thing that won me the game dave was knowing that information and then charging my rhino into the spread out side of terminators into the side with the accursed weapons not the power fists and therefore he couldn't fall back in charge unless he spent his once per game incredible stratagem to make them alpha legion which he had to do because he couldn't kill the rhino with three terminators of accursed weapons that could were the only in range of piling in and if he did pile in that way then he's lost three to six inches moving away from my army um that won me the game that one move charging a rhino into that terminator brick because then I managed to move block um, and we've actually created a new series on our YouTube members content and we're calling it What's the Play? And we show off these kind of moments in our games where we believe were the turning point of the tactics we used or like a very broken down scenario, which takes what people learn from the academy, like the fundamentals and all the basics to then this like real, really specific scenarios where you can implement what you're learning into, you know, the tabletop layout. Um, and that's going to be a new, so if you become a YouTube member for two ninety nine, then you're going to get access to a, a what's the play every single week. And you can kind of look at it and test yourself if you know what the play is. So anyway, you, I'm giving you the answer to the first one, but charge that Rhino in. Um, and that really changed the game because then next turn, he couldn't fight on death because he wasn't Creations of Bile. Then all of my Terminators and all my characters pick up all of his Terminators without those Terminators killing me in return. And that really was the swing in the change of the game. Um, so again, it's knowing how to use your army really specifically, knowing the tools that you've got in your toolbox, um, and you can certainly change the outcome and fates of you know what you think a matchup might be. But um, I think another thing that's really important to talk about in terms of this is um, there's a really good bodybuilder, right? And you can look at all the science you want when it comes to building muscle and the rest of it. But Dave, if I said to you that you had to I don't know, put on two inches on your arms. Okay. Like two, two inch, two inches on your bicep and tricep circumference. Right. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've put a gun to your family's head or something crazy and like, right, Dave, you've got 12 weeks to put two inches onto your arms. Dave, how often are you training arms? Um, I'm doing basically twice a week. Yeah. But I've just put a gun to your family's head. What, how many, how many times are you train in arms now? You are training those arms every day. Yeah. Like without fail, you're going to eat as much protein as you humanly can. You are going to be doing everything in your possibility and you're going to be training arms every day. Yeah. You're going to keep the exercise the same. You're not going to push the weight up as hard as you can. And you're not going to mess about trying to do fancy new little exercises because you think they're funky and cool. No, you've got your family to protect. You need to put two inches on your arms. You're going to stick to what you know and you know what works, right? Right. Playing 40K is exactly the same. You want to win the LVO? Then take a list right now. Um, I had this conversation with Bobby earlier. I said, right, let's say the goal was for you to win the LVO or you, know, you could use a win rate as an example, right? But right. you have to win it. You have to go undefeated. You have to go 5-0 and or something. Because he was talking to me about what different lists he's going to take to RTTs he's got coming up in GTs. And I said, well, and we were discussing the difference in my Blood Angel list uh, that he's been kind of running something similar to versus... Uh, shout out to Junior, who just did really, really well Blood Angels at SoCal Open, right? You could look at his list. And I said, if we gave Junior my Blood Angel list, do you think you'd have done much different in terms of his finishing? He's a fantastic player. He could probably take any Blood Angel list and do really well with it. And I said, we need to stop looking for the the sprinkle, the the little tweaks and changes now. What we need to do is get you 100% comfortable in every single mission, every single matchup, because we need to make you a truly great player. So what list are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to take the one I already know. Cool. Good answer. That's your first answer. You're, you're not going to lose all those repetitions now that you've already got with this list. And the last you know, eight weeks of coaching that we've put into it, because somebody's done quite well with another Blood Angel list. People do this all the time. They just jump from one list to another. They jump from one faction to another. And they don't stick on it. So straight away, made the right decision. Yeah, I'm going to stick to the one I already know well. Cool. Because now you can use all that experience you've already gained. I said, great. Well, then you've spoke about taking Necrons to some RTTs, trying out some Destroyer Cult stuff. 
I was like, but you know, if the goal is to win the LVO, what list are you going to take? Well, I'm going to take my Blood Angel list. Exactly. That's exactly what you're going to take. And how often right. are you going to change it? Well, I'm not going to change it. No, you're not going to change it. Yeah, you can change a wall or trait. You can change a relic around. You can maybe just put a power fist on a model instead of a, you know, a thunder hammer. Tweak something tiny, tiny, tiny. Like 1% of changes, right? Each and every week. Um, that's how you get good. That's how you get really good. Not by looking what other people are taking and chopping and changing. No, that's... That is a fool's errand, and that is something in which you're going to constantly chase and never catch. Right. You want to catch. You want. To, you just want to stick with the same thing and get real good with it. Get real good, real consistent, real confident. Um, absolutely master that faction, and um, yeah. you know you're going to yep. perform so so well with it. Yeah, I I, um, I I started the year off kind of having conversations with Kyle and leading up to our um, towel review that we did, I think in May or June. And, you know, Kyle's a fantastic towel player. He's incredible. I mean, there's a reason he was a top towel player last year and he looks like he could take top towel player in the world this year. Um, I, he, he has some fundamental disagreements with my list and I have taken advice from him on some tweaks on some things. Um, I want to put another sun shark into my list now. And so I'm asking him, Hey, how do you play your, your guys? But I don't ask him, Hey, what should my list look like? I don't copy and paste his list. I take the list that I've got. And I've got that one unit that I've had about 250 points with that I've been messing with all year to, to try to make it just a little bit more efficient to figure out what works best. Last time it was a ghost kill. Now it's going to be a sun shark bomber. I'm going to pull mm-hmm. that out, put it in also because I'm just excited to have aircraft again. So I'm putting those things in, but they're, I'm not doing, you know, he'll be like, well, why do you use this? Why do you keep using the tidewall? Cause I want to. That's, that's what I'm comfortable playing. And I'm so familiar with it now. I can, I can get a lot more efficiency out of some of those units that are quote unquote inefficient because I've played it so much. I can use it better than anybody else that I run into or who is even considered using it because of my reps, because of my practice. Yeah. You'll get more efficiency out of the unit. You know how to be efficient with than trying to play an efficient unit. You don't know how to make efficient yet. Right. That's what I was trying to say. You summed it up much better. So Yeah. All right. What else? Um, any other thing you think we should touch on with this idea of, of list arrogance and, and, you know. Yeah. And I think like, um, look, arrogance has got a bad word and I don't think it's as negative as all that necessarily, but, yeah. um, we should, so, yeah, we should, we should call it, um, list assumption. Yeah. Cause we, we know what the assumption is. Makes an ass out of you and me. Right. Um, I think it's, there's another term for assumption, but we won't say that on the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a family podcast. Um, yeah, it is. And I think the, like, I, I had some really uh, sort of, I suppose, deep conversations with Chris over the weekend. Uh, he was running Tau and the terrain was, you know, pretty heavy in terms of they'd ruled it that the bottom level blocks line of sight. Um, and first game was against blood angels right and he and he lost that game and he probably should lose that game because it's tau it's heavy terrain and on paper with two decent pilots tau should take it right um now the next game he played against i think it was guard or it was something else and he he had lost that game and he and he said the terrain was really hampering him now, the thing is here is that I really want Chris to play a different army than Tau. And the reason being is because I want it, I want him to master combat. Because if he can master combat, then he'll know exactly what his opponents can do against him when he goes back to playing Tau. He'll, have, he'll be very well versed in the skill set of a combat player so that they knows how to counteract it. And this was something I had to get Jack to do, who used to just play Tau. Um, in, in, I'm using Tau here as an example, but any army that just plays in one phase of the game, whether it's guard, just shooting or Eldar shooting, or just Admech, if your army is really good at this one thing, then learn how to play the army that absolutely brutalizes it or can do, because then what you're going to understand is the counter plays, um, and what else is there. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, Chris has done. He's, he, he was started off the year with custodes. He then moved on to Tau. Um, is he, you know, he likes Tau, he likes custodes. And unfortunately, both of those armies have got nerfed this year. And then because they've been nerfed, 
there's been a negative, or I think Chris has had a negative connotation around the army that it's not very good. Now, yes, it's been nerfed, but it doesn't mean they're nerfing it to make it terrible. They're nerfing it to bring it into balance. That's the idea of the balanced data slate is to bring it into balance. And I've said to Chris so many times, look, please look at custodes again. Please look at custodes because I think custodies have a really good um, opportunity now in the meta. And I don't think they're as bad as he thinks, but because it has been nerfed, there is this, oh, it's unplayable. Right. And my example to him was also Tau because he said the same thing with Tau when it when they got nerfed. But you look at how well Tau are now doing in the meta and you know how well people like Carl are doing with it. Well, no, that's not the army. The book is deeper than we first thought, but it takes somebody like Kyle to just sit with that book and just look at it and look at it and look at it and read it and read it and play it and play it and rep it and rep it to go, ah, what about Sunshark Bombers? Oh, actually, it turns out they're actually pretty good. But they were always pretty good from the first instance. It's not like they've ever been bad. Right. Um, People just didn't get around to figuring out what they could do. Yeah, because they were too busy borrowing someone else's list. And right. Running that in, until it got nerfed, right? Um, so I think, you know, I really want Chris to go back to Custodes and I really want him to master that book because there's so much in there. I dread playing Custodes. I literally dread playing against them. I really do um, because I know they're a super hard faction to play against. And I do think that changing armies to an army that counters your army is a really good way of learning how to best master a different phase of the game, but also in a way that allows you to appreciate what other armies can do against you. Um, and I think that's a fantastic way then to really round off your knowledge, really round off your education of a faction to, to find pure mastery in a faction is to understand, you know, how your army can be beat as well. And to get an experience of that, then you'll learn that army much, much better. So that would be kind of my next tip for people is if you are really struggling against a faction because you just can't beat it, pick it up and play it, pick it up and play it and see how it really functions. Look at all the stratagems, all the water traits, all the relics, see all the different combinations and how they come off. And then by doing so, play some games and all of a sudden you'll be like, hang on a minute, I just played against X and I just got smashed. Okay, what did they do that smashed me? Because now with my other army that I normally play, maybe I can try some of those same tactics in, you know, you look at it with fresh eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, or at least, or buy the codex at the very least, or borrow your your friends, uh, your your friends' codex and read through that and go, oh, I didn't know that that you know, because custodies was my, has been my bane for a long time, and it was uh, all right. How, what do I do to get around to dealing with custodies? I played yeah. in a custodies heavy meta down uh, here in Georgia for for a while. Everybody's moved away from it now, I think, for because it got bad press. But um, custodies was a problem because they could survive and weather a lot of stuff. So I started packing more stuff that was, um, that could ignore invulnerable saves. And by coincidence yeah. that works against that Nids. benefits me against other factions too. Yeah. So at least read the codex. Um, you know, my, my current uh, biggest, uh, worry when I go to a, to an event is, um, demons because I can't ignore their, um, uh, I can't ignore their, uh, invulnerable saves, um, their invulnerable saves. And they're, you know, I, I can't do, like my normal shenanigans to get around my weak spot, my weak spot, I can't do. Yeah. So I have to find something else. Well, oh, they're weak to melee. Oh, well, maybe I need to finally put some get off my stubborn uh, bench and get to put some crew in my list so I can get a little bit of a melee punch. I also put the yeah. honor gauntlet on my commander, so he's got some punch. As long as I'm careful, so I don't get overwatched, I can get into them and start punching them all to death. So, yep. no, I love it, mate. I do. I think that's fantastic. Putting tools in your toolbox. Um, but yeah, I just want to say, Dave, uh, thanks, you know, you, you do an incredible job on this podcast. I don't tell you enough, but I just really appreciate everything you do. So, uh, Dave, thank you so much, mate, for everything. Yeah, man. Uh, it was a pleasure to finally catch up with you and uh, and to do another episode. Yep. And if you at home are listening, you want to know more about my Empress Children list, how I got on at the tournament recently, uh, each of my games, how I played them, what I did, then do become a YouTube member uh, for two ninety nine because then you can see my full list review. I've also got my LGT Blood Angel list review on there as well and how I did, how the deconstruction, my thought pros processes behind it all. Um, absolutely everything is you know there in the specific meta side of things when you become a YouTube member. Um, and obviously, you know if you want to just take your game to the next level in terms of your understanding of the knowledge, the game, strategy and tactics, the fundamentals that we often you know underpins absolutely everything, then do consider joining the Academy. We have a waiting list at the moment. 
um, and everybody on the waiting list will get their spots reserved first of all before they go out to uh, the general public. Um, and you might also find yourself some bonuses for being on that waiting list as well. So just head over to www.vanguardtactics.com, find the tab for uh, coaching and education, and then find the tab for the academy, pop your email address in there, and then turn on the button so that I can actually email you with all the information you need when enrollment begins. Um, so Dave, thank you so much, mate. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for giving us your time and your attention. Uh, we've got some very exciting and what I would even term groundbreaking episodes coming up in the next month. Uh, we can't disclose all of it right now, but we are definitely going to be getting into some topics and territory, kind of like today, that are new and exciting and very different from just uh, codex reviews. But also, don't be worried that when the Imperial Guard Codex comes out, we will be doing a review on that. Mike, in particular, is chomping at the bit for that one. So... Uh, anyway, until then, this is Dave Calma for Stephen Box saying, the last mosquito that bit me had to check into the Betty Ford Clinic. Have a great week. See you later. <laughs>